whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report military segment. This is Dr. Lee for America with my co-host, Major Mike Gary, and we are here today with Captain John Frankman, who was a captain in the U.S. Army serving as a Green Beret assigned to the 7th Special Forces Group. And on July 1st, America had a tragic loss with a Green Beret, highly trained, highly experienced, voluntarily separating from active duty after eight years of training and intensive service to America due to difficulties surrounding the COVID-19 unlawful vaccine mandate. Before going on active duty, he spent four years in Catholic seminary studying for the Archdiocese of Washington and the military archdiocese before discerning that God had different plans for him at the time. He entered active duty as an infantry officer and completed infantry basic officer leadership course, airborne school, and ranger school. After serving as an infantry officer, he was selected to to attend the Special Forces Qualification Course, where he also completed the Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape Course and the Military Freefall Course. Of all of his military accomplishments, however, Captain Franklin considers refusing the immoral and illegal COVID vaccine, the experimental gene therapy prototype shot, deceptively called a vaccine, his proudest moment in standing for his faith and for what was right under the U.S. law, under our Constitution and the Uniform Code of Military Justice that allows service members to refuse experimental treatments and congressional statutes passed after the debacle of the anthrax vaccine when Congress stepped in to protect service members from yet another unlawful experimental mandate to receive an experimental shot. And the DOD did it again. So it's clearly an unlawful mandate with an experimental prototype shot that is not even a vaccine, it's a gene therapy agent that is changing Mm. the human genome, again, assaulting God's design of the human body. Captain Frankman is currently completing his Master of Arts degree in systematic theology, and we welcome him to the Whistleblower Report. I thank you for your service to our country. I'm personally 
heartbroken and it is tragic to have a loss of someone with your skills and experience and your dedication to our country leaving the military at a time when tensions around the world are escalating and we're sustaining a border invasion on our own soil. So Captain Frankman, thank you for your service to America. And I hope you will continue to serve your country in speaking out against the assault on our constitutional republic and the assault on life. Yep, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Vliet. I appreciate you having me on the show and give me a chance to tell my story and hopefully make a change by raising awareness and getting some action at a congressional level. Well, tell us what led you to leave the military voluntarily July 1st, 2023. I, I have worked with so many of our military service members who have been persecuted and harassed and abused for mm-hmm. standing on faith and standing on the rule of law and refusing the experimental COVID shots. But tell us what led you to leave voluntarily. Absolutely. And you're right to make the distinction that I did choose to leave voluntarily, that I made it until the mandate was rescinded, yet still chose to leave the military. And I had originally intended to make the military a career and was projected to do so. But more or less, just a big summary is that I lost out on enough opportunities based on rules and regulations that were put in place, legal or otherwise, in order to kind of force or coerce service members Uh, to get the shot. And for those who didn't get the shot to lose out on enough opportunities where it wasn't worth staying in. So going through kind of the whole story, it started in 2021. I was a team leader, took my team in September of 2020. And going into 2021, we knew that the COVID shot was being worked at the jab. And I was just very honest and open with my with my team. And we were all concerned about the ethics, safety, we were aware under emergency use station. So a lot of my men were concerned that they might get, if they get hurt, there's not really that accountability that the drug manufacturer is not held liable. So the policy was that you can either be forced, you can't be punished or rewarded based on whether you get the shot and there can't be undue command pressure. So I merely reiterated to my team what the policy was. And I told them as their senior rater, the person who makes their evaluations, I would neither punish nor reward them for whether they got the shot I personally didn't want to get it, but it was up to them and their individual decision. And one of the ways that pressure is put on service members, I think on the enlisted side, it might be a little bit more of kind of harassment. And on the officer side, it's just trying to measure up, trying to get those higher marks within your officer evaluation report. And I saw early on when it was voluntary to sign up for uh, the shot to get the jab that I was the only officer with my company who didn't immediately volunteer. And you don't necessarily want to stand out, uh, yet that's something that that ended up happening. So as time went on, my team sergeant ended up getting harassed pretty regularly by the company sergeant major. He was often in his office for like an hour or so at a time, a couple times a week. And at one point, I received such tongue lashings or whatever and told, was told that I was screwing my career up, that I should think about work outside of the military, that if my team lost a mission based on our vaccination status, that... Uh, the service members within my team would get kicked out of the company, put on undesirable assignments such as sent to SWIC or the schoolhouse, and was told that that was not a threat, but a promise. Uh, So there was definitely some 
serious sort of pressure with that with that respect. And what ultimately came up was that my team was in June. We were out in Arizona. We were doing a lot of military free fall training. And we had a trip planned for, I don't know, maybe six months or a very long time. We were planning on going to a Central American country. And when I say that there were different rules and regulations put in place in order to coerce people to get the shot, some of those are, one, when you're exposed to COVID, if you are, quote unquote, vaccinated, your quarantine time is less. So you can then go back to work. So there's kind of that innate pressure that you are not being a team player, that you're being a burden on the organization. So that's for if you come into contact, if you have to do any kind of travel, but then they made it a requirement for special forces command. So special forces, Green Beret, we deploy pretty frequently. So they made it a requirement that you had to be jabbed in order to go overseas, to do any kind of any kind of overseas trip. And my team at the time, because I had given them that free option, 10 of 12 of them were not jabbed. And 10 of 12 of them were not jabbed by the time we got to the mandate in August. And that might seem like, okay, well, everybody is, most people weren't jabbed by then. No, 90, 95% of individuals had already received it by then because of the pressure, like what I'm telling you was happening to us. So I had to talk to my company commander, we were out in Arizona. He said, hey, John, I know your team doesn't want to get the shot, but it's now a requirement for First Special Forces Command. So what's it going to be? Is your team going to get the shot or are we going to have to take the mission from you? And I'd already talked to the guys and only one of them was willing to get the shot. So I said, well, sir, I'll have one guy willing to get the shot. Therefore, you're going to have to take the mission. And then I asked, but are you willing to, unless you're willing to accept natural immunity? Because many of us had already contracted COVID. We were tracking that natural immunity was far safer and a lot more efficacious. Some of us had gone to LabCorp. I've gone twice and I've gotten my antibodies tested. Uh, so we tried to come and present that, that evidence, but I was told that they were not willing to accept that risk. And to me, that seemed very mind boggling because what we were doing in Arizona is we were jumping out of planes at 14,000 plus feet with oxygen and equipment at nighttime. And, you know, I'll just own it. I didn't have the cleanest exits all the time, but it just kind of it was a little weird to think, okay, well, what kind of, so anyway, that was, that's one of the big points is losing. Well, losing let's, let's stop for a minute, Captain sure. Frankman. Let's ex backtrack to what you just said and put this risk in perspective. Jumping out of planes at 14,000 feet at night with heavy equipment is less risk than sending you on deployment without a COVID shot. I mean, yeah. this this is absolute medical insanity. It is flagrantly wrong, and mm -hmm. it is unconscionable that military leaders are telling service members something so ludicrous and so dangerously wrong. Absolutely. And I mean, the best explanation I can give to it is maybe they had a fear that that country was going to come up with a a mandate requirement later on, but they hadn't yet. So um, yeah, the, the fear of COVID and that dominated every single meeting step of the way that was put as a readiness issue at the start of every company stand-up meeting, battalion stand-up meeting, you'd give, hey, Alpha Company, we have 100 fully vaccinated, 50 first shot, 20 sick, et cetera. And they were trying to track what teams had the most vaccinated. And there were actually team leaders who started briefing the percentage of their team that were fully jabbed. So that became like another competitive thing. So within special operations, we're supposed to, we're selected to be more critical thinking, but we're also more competitive. And I think that competitiveness 
led to team leaders, team sergeants wanting more trips because Afghanistan went away to pushing their men to try to get uh, fully jabbed. And yet readiness has been decimated by the medical consequences and damage of these experimental gene therapy shots that are causing autoimmune disorders, blood clots, myocarditis, cancers in young people, brain injury, brain inflammation, gonadal dysfunction. I mean, men and women are having their ovaries and testicles impaired by the inflammatory damage of these shots, which impairs your hormonal system, which for men, loss of testosterone obviously affects muscle Mm. strength, bone density, cognitive sharpness, all sorts of things. And same for women to lose their ovarian hormones. There are many damaging effects of that. This is just absolutely beyond the pale in damage to military readiness as a consequence of Mm -hmm. these shots. And I could say so many things with regards to readiness. And I think that my story very much reflects that because not only did you have the people who were injured by the shot, which we actually don't know because the DMED data, that's the the defense medical database, that information has been withdrawn, tampered with. Senator Ron Johnson's office was seeking to find out just the extent of the medical damage done to service members, but that information was hidden. Although I think we all are seeing upticks in that. So that's just one area of readiness, but then you have individuals such as myself who made it through the mandates and are still choosing to leave based on our careers being hampered. Then you have the eight to 10,000 service members who were kicked out of the military. Then you have the recruiting problem. Then you have the retention problem. Then you have the members who are still in who have been morally injured being forced to do something that was against their will. If service members wanted to do this, we would have had near 90, 100% vaccine rate, jab rate early in February when it was available. Yet it was a slow push and it was a deliberate push and quite a psyop to try to convince and get individuals to do that. So you're telling them that they need to do it. Then you find out it doesn't even work. Then you find out that it not only does not work, but it might've messed you up uh, medically. And I've had a number of individuals come up to me and tell me about different side effects that they're having. And yeah, it just, just destroys trust. And I mean, that destroys trust, but our trust has been destroyed by the leadership through the Afghanistan withdrawal and just complete incompetence in seeing things such as the Chinese spy balloon, you know, fly across America, getting a free tour. So it's, uh, it's just absolutely asinine. It is very dangerous. You're absolutely right. Uh, Major Gary, you had a question you wanted to ask. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Vliet. Uh, just for everybody out there, what I'm about to say or ask for questions is not a representation of the Department of Defense. I represent my own self. These are my opinions and my thoughts. So, Captain Frankman, John, I just wanted to say your story is very similar to mine or or some of the experiences that I witnessed. I had a leader, our chief of staff of our state, actually say this. Uh, He said, well, you sign up knowing that you might have to give your life. And I was before him justifying why I wasn't going to get the vaccine. And I I was like, yeah, I sign up to fight in war and give my life in war, but not Mm -hmm. from a poison in in a vaccine. But he was trying to make those two things out to be the same thing, which was just absolute crazy. 
So they don't, the leadership, upper leadership doesn't seem to know how to weigh risk. Uh, you mentioned critical thinking skills. Well, I offer up, they're all a part of this group think that is so prevalent mm -hmm. now among senior officers. What's your reactions to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that a lot of critical thinking has gone out the wayside and there's a larger emphasis on kind of doing what you're told. And it might just, every, every system has its own kind of like hierarchy and way of sort of structuring and figuring out how to advance. And I think that we've gotten so into what boxes do you need to check in order to make it to that next rank and next assignment? So what do you need to do to get a certain OER? And I was talking to one major who said he didn't want to get the shot, but he saw the writing on the wall that if he didn't get it, he would have been 20 of 20 majors by his senior rater. Um, so it's, there's a crit, I mean, I, so I wrote an op-ed piece about this and I talked about how we are asked to weigh weigh risk and that we failed in weighing risk with regards to this shot medically that there's you know the mission the men and me so even this is hurting the mission the effectiveness of your service members the possibility that they get injured not even have the common sense question to ask well what if this is damaging should we maybe have like half the force not get it or something like that and there but there there just needs to be something i think just deeper interiorly in the soul that needs to drive military leaders to like take that pause, be able to get the moral courage. I think there's a lot of combat experience, a lot of people who've gone through much more difficult, physically dangerous things than I have been through and may ever go through, um, haven't had a deployment, but there needs to be some kind of training on moral courage, some understanding of what the constitution is and kind of a reordering of, of one's values. Yeah, John. So I just wanted to make a statement more than anything, and you can react to it. Sure. Uh, I know a group that actually, because you and I know we weigh risk, right? We do risk assessments all the time. Everything right. we do, everything the army does, they do a risk assessment. They mm -hmm. weigh the risk. And uh, so I know a group that's actually FOIA'd uh, the state National Guard for the risk assessment on the vaccine. And uh, their answer was, well, we didn't do it. The hire did it. So huh. somebody needs to actually FOIA hire for that and see what they come back for their risk assessment. So that's just a statement on my end. And I just, John, with your background, I think it's so interesting how when you got before your, your senior leadership, justifying yourself, uh, that you were like, hey, psychological warfare, you're gonna kind of using it against us. It's very similar to like... Uh, for my situation where I was C-burn, chem bio-rad nuclear. Right, right. And I'm like, this thing, gain of function is biological, biological warfare agent. It's kind of interesting how we came from our specialties, but we were saying all the same things. Right. And I didn't necessarily uh, tell my leadership that I saw as a PSYOP the whole time. And in fact, I was a little surprised at the lack of conversations that I directly had with leadership given that my team was the least, probably the least vaccinated team in all of special forces. Like I would imagine that we were willing to risk a mission and the fact that my team is willing to risk not going on a mission. And that's why you go to special operations is to deploy. So you don't go through the two years of green ray training for nothing. Uh, but there, I think there was maybe once when my company commander asked like, Oh, have you gotten the shot? Why not? And 
I brought up the, the risk factor. I said that, hey, according to Veris, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, there's been about over 5,000 who have died, that have died so far. And the big thing for me being hesitant uh, was the abortion issue. And I'm Catholic, went to seminary. And early on, I didn't actually know whether I was going to get the shot or not. That's something I was going to consider um, because I have, I've taken other vaccines. Um, my understanding of the churches, the Catholic church's teaching is that it was remote material cooperation. That just means that I'm not formally trying to participate in the abortion, that it is so far removed from what I can control that by participating in that shot, that it's just a remote material thing. So it can be justified if the, the ends justify it. However, my theological understanding and moral theology understanding had a like developed to such an extent by reading uh father phil wolf he had a great article on that and children of god for life and now i'm to the point where i understand that hey abortion is a murder of an unborn child and that was taken from hek 273 i know i'm kind of going on a tangent here but this is where we're taking it and with hek 273 that's human embryo kidney 273 that implies that there might have been 272 before at least 272 attempts Kidney, that implies that the baby has been developed to such an extent that that kidney is is present. And they, they have like medical devices to keep these children alive outside the womb while they harvest their, their organs. So there's that level of murder. And you can ask someone, well, would you use the an abortion from yesterday to save yourself? How about a week ago? How about a month ago? So it really doesn't matter how long ago. And the other piece is there's the murder, but there's also the theft that you are stealing that unborn child's body parts, that we have no right to that unborn child's body parts or any of its by, of its products. Uh, just like a service member dies overseas and we do everything we can to recover the body in order to properly dispose of the body, give it a proper burial, that's because life is sacred and we need to treat it as such. And that includes the unborn. So for me, the abortion issue, that being a grave sin, it's something that I decided I couldn't participate in. And another definition for sin is an act against reason. So for one to do something that's against reason, because God doesn't just reveal himself through the scripture, it's through the natural law as well. And thou shalt not kill is a commandment. That means you don't hurt yourself. So if there's something that's this damaging to your body with no medical benefit, it, you just have to say no. So I, at, at one point, and we'll get to it later, had a conversation with the Fulberg Colonel for out processing like a a debrief and he asked what would i say to a christian or a catholic who who got the shot and i said well do you think that a a shot that is involved in the murder of an unborn child the theft of its body parts is justified by a disease that you have a 99.99 percent chance of surviving and if the individual is catholic they should consider going to confession to a good priest However, I you know, Captain Frankman, you are exactly right about that. And I just want to emphasize medically everything that you said, because these are things that that were exposed more than 10 years ago in the actual intentional harvesting mm -hmm. of aborted baby body parts that we worked very hard on campaigns to expose that evil, yeah. it was a violation of every moral code in medicine, but it was also a violation of the Medical Practice Act because they actually taught practitioners how to do abortions 
to salvage the body parts in some of the most cruel and heinous procedures, uh, when I learned what was really going on, Mm -hmm. it it was all I could do to even just keep myself from just going into a rage because it was so demonic what they were doing and the undercover videos at the time, I don't know if you oh, yeah. both remember seeing them, but I do. Yeah, it's they, insane. They were horrific. And the, the Planned Parenthood practitioners and staff were laughing about it and mm-hmm. bragging about it. It it was some of the most horrific video that I've ever seen in my medical career. And I've scrubbed in on some pretty serious surgeries. And I've seen some pretty serious traumas in the ER. This was beyond anything that we can even wrap our mind around in terms of the evil. So you are absolutely correct in every single thing you just said. And that and was I, w- I wanted to emphasize that. Thank you. And that was Project Veritas that came that exposed those videos. Was that correct? Yes, it was. Okay, just for anyone who's watching this and and you know can stomach it, it and look it up, it's just and uh, let yeah. me clarify. It was James O'Keefe James who O'Keefe. had yes. the courage to lead Project Veritas to that uh, expose, and right. he had a great deal of courage. I I am shocked at what Project Veritas board did to James O'Keefe more recently, mm-hmm. but it was his courage that led to that expose, and we worked hard to expose it. We had whole teams of people on Twitter, I did many national editorials and interviews. We were working nonstop to expose that evil then. And these these aborted fetal cell lines in vaccines should make every Catholic and every Christian stop right. and think for exactly the reasons you just said. And it is theft of the body parts. You know, they don't even tell Planned Parenthood, harvest those body parts of the aborted babies and then doesn't even tell the mothers that they are selling the body parts to bring in revenue to Planned Parenthood. It's 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 horrific evil. It's, it's just hard to wrap your mind around it. Right. Yeah, we definitely have major Gary, your comment. You had a comment before we go to break. Yeah, really quick, just to to emphasize that a little more, you know, murdering a baby who doesn't get a decision in the matter versus somebody selflessly giving their life for their neighbor or for their brother or to save somebody is a totally different thing. It's not the same. And it blows my mind that people can't see the difference between taking somebody's life and somebody freely giving their life to save someone else like we do in the military, for example. Well, exactly. And I think the commanders who tried to shame service members on that point should themselves hang their head in shame and go on a wall of shame for what they are trying to equate theft of an unborn baby's body parts and life with volunteering to serve our country, knowing that in doing so you risk your life. They are poles apart. And I'm ashamed of 
any military officer who would suggest their equivalent. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you've heard my rant, we'll take a break. And this is Dr. Lee for America. We'll be back with the second half of the whistleblower report. If you have gotten the COVID shot and if you've had damage to your health, file a vaccine injury report at vaxdamage.org. Download our vaccine injury treatment guide at truthforhealth.org. Sign up for our email alerts. Join our crusade to expose the lies, deceptions, and evil assault on life and freedom. And join us as we speak out and stand against evil. We'll be right back after the break. This message is from the Truth For Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate, many of them losing their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. We are here with the military report today with two of our service members who have had exemplary careers in the military. Major Mike Gary, my co-host with 25 years in the military and soon to be 26 as he continues his service in the Army Reserve. And Major Gary has 15 years of formal training and certification as a chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear weapons officer, and is also chair of medicine and ministry for Truth for Health Foundation, and serves on our volunteer military advisory council. Captain John Franklin is a Green Beret exemplary career who also sadly, has left the military over the COVID vaccine mandates, as you've been hearing in the first half. So, Captain Franklin, let's go mm-hmm. on with your story and mm-hmm. what what you experienced as you were trying to stand for what was right, both medically and morally. Absolutely. So we left off in June of 2020, which is when my team lost a mission uh, because before the mandate ever went into effect, we decided not to get the COVID jab. And we were not able to then deploy to a country that did not have a COVID mandate. So that was definitely a loss for the team, a difficult pill to swallow. And we continued on and we were put in a couple other training exercises that we thought may have been punishments. Um, And we ended up, so then August comes around, the mandate comes in and my team was aware and we were tracking that community is the only shot that received FDA approval. Pfizer, even though they said Pfizer was FDA approved, that was still 
approved under emergency use authorization only. And seeing that and then seeing that we the actual order from Lloyd Austin said that we were mandated to receive an FDA approved shot and not having an FDA approved shot available, we were all ready kind of privy that this was an illegal order. Uh, but that was August, September, we end up going to the Joint Readiness Training Center, which is not one of the most pleasant training experiences. There's a few thousand uh, service members uh, that are, are training for two weeks, and it's a huge, huge uh, muscle movement, a very large military exercise. And at any rate, during that exercise, which is two weeks in the field, we had like a 12-hour break. And because my team was largely not not jabbed, we had a major come out to the field and uh, he counseled the team. And he basically said, you guys, well, the counseling statement said you have 72 hours to decide what you're going to do with regards to the shot. Now, given this is the middle of the woods and as a special forces detachment, we were practicing unconventional warfare. We were pretending to be behind enemy lines. So this is like driving out, going into, you know, tent city, whatever, and uh and just saying hey here's your counseling statements you have 72 hours and i ended up calling my uh company commander and i asked hey sir why are why is my team getting counseled in the middle of the woods how do you expect us to make a career decision without the proper medical religious or legal resources and gosh uh <laughs> yeah that, that how are we going to make that kind of decision furthermore um how are how am I supposed to show my guys that training to fight and win wars is more important than administrative bullshit with this happening and that we're just not going to get training value with when this is hanging over our heads. So fortunately by pushing back, we were able to get the, the official counseling push to October. Um, so what that kind of frustrated me as well, given that uh, it shouldn't have taken me speaking out to kind of stop stop this uh, this counseling from happening. So anyway, we get back to seventh group in October, redeploy back to back to group. The first day, everybody get, gets counseled by the company commander over the phone because he's down in Central America. And every, about every one of my soldiers had brought up that one is FDA approved, the other is, is um, EUA. And if you guys have any more legal details on it, feel free to jump in. Um, but that one of them is is... FDA, the others EUA. So then this isn't really a legal order. So every single individual brings this up and he, he just gets asked and he's like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. So my counseling statement, I put it up on social media. Um, it stated paragraph two says that the shot is safe and effective. And I wrote, it's neither safe nor effective. We had over 15,000 die according to the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Furthermore, it's not effective. Many people have received the shot have still gotten sick. And furthermore, I'm ordered to take an FDA approved shot. Well, that's not available. And we all had to talk to the group surgeon as well and the group doctors uh, at, at that level. And we all brought up the medical exemption piece. We brought up, what about the interchangeable interchangeability? Or we were trying to say that it's not legal and they just kept saying it's medically interchangeable. We brought up Teresa Long, whistleblower, that whistleblower, Pete Chambers, and both doctors and they said, oh, Dr. Teresa Long is kind of weird. Like we met her and she's a little off. It's like, okay, that's not responding to our medical concerns. So just kind of yes, men that didn't really help out. And the, this was just very degrading because the guys had just been gone for a month 
for training. Now they're having to stay later, at least later for us at work, just with these counseling statements, with meeting with the group doctors. And eventually at the end of the week, those who had not submitted a religious exemption, um, I think there were two guys who had not then caved to get the shot. They, uh, they were faced with a GOMOR, a general officer memorandum of reprimand from the battalion commander in the room, command sergeant major, chaplain, medic there to administer JAG. So it, it was just that immediate, even though I don't think we needed to be fully jabs until November. So unfortunately, the rest of the team ended up getting the jab, and it just shows the kind of pressure that was on us if they were willing to stay on their ground for so long, but just facing those I mean, they really just wanted to get ordered to do it. And that's why they held off because they knew the EOA piece. And if they had gotten mentally injured, I mean, this is really dark thinking. They would want to make sure that their families had a way of being taken care of. So I put my religious exemption in right after that. And I was taken off the team early in January. So you're usually supposed to get 18, 24 months. And I got 15 months and they were able to write it out in my OER, my officer evaluation report. So as frustrating as this situation is, it could have been a lot worse. And there are many others who've had it worse than me, um, where my senior leadership did what they thought they could for me with regards to um, OERs and things like that. So got taken off the team early, sat in the operations office in the S3 shop. And there were a couple other conversations that are kind of key or significant to my choosing to get out. And I'm waiting for my exemption to get answered because during this time, I had applied to get a philosophy degree and to teach philosophy and then an ethics course, which is ironic, at United States Military Academy. So not a not a West Pointer, but I had applied for the West Point broadening assignment, been accepted to do that, gotten into the schools I wanted to get into. And I'm just waiting for my religious exemption to get answered. And another way that service members' careers were kind of smoked or put on ice was that I, during that time, was not allowed to deploy I wasn't allowed to move on to future assignments or PCS. I was not allowed to travel or go TDY, temporary duty, to other locations for career-enhancing school. So I'm basically just stuck there. And it's getting into April of 22. And I reach out to the West Point professor, and I, my contact up there, and say, hey, hey, sir, like I am not jabbed, and I haven't gotten my exemption back. So what are we going to do? And he said, well, you can get it or... You know, if you don't get an answer by this date, you're not going to be able to go on to this broadening assignment. And that's basically what happened because my religious exemption was never answered. Submitted it October 5th, 2021, and it just kept going. And another interesting piece of the story, we had a two-star general come August of 22, and he had a town hall brief. So he was part of USASOC, had between staff sergeant to major in the auditorium, group commanders there as well. And he's just taking questions. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and ask this question. Um, so I just raised my hand. Hey, sir, Captain Frankman, AS3 or assistant operations officer over in this battalion. Two weeks ago, the CDC changed their guidance and said that there is no distinction between those who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated. Uh, that said, there's about 30 of us who have not received the shot. We can't deploy we can't travel, and we we can't move on to other assignments. Furthermore, I put my exemption in last October, so it's been about a year. So given all of that, is there any conversation about making the mandate not mandatory? And when are we going to receive our religious exemptions? 
And the first thing he said was, have you heard of Novavax? And I shouted, yes, sir. It uses aborted fetal cells. Because I knew where he was trying to go with it. And I mean, my chaplain had brought it up to me. And I'm like, no, that's some BS. Uh, <laughs> you think I'm just going to believe anything you say now? I don't think so. Um, but he was kind of perplexed by my my response that no, it uses aborted fetal cells. And he just kind of like, well, uh, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. And went on to explain that when the army tells you to do something, you should really do it. And that he doesn't want to kick anyone out, but he will if he needs to. And at that point, I was not sure whether I was staying in. I kind of wanted to wait until my exemption was denied, but I decided, you know what, I'm my exemption is just going to get denied. And if I don't get out before they kick me out, there's a chance I lose my honorable discharge. That's the kind of pressure that I was facing. So I thought, well, at least if I have my refrat or my release from active duty paperwork in, maybe the army won't mess with me to the extent that they try to make an example of me and they see that I'm just trying to get out of the way. And my leadership totally understood where I was coming from. They were very supportive uh, at, to the extent that they, they could be. So they, so they got it. Um, they understood my, my reasoning. So I was able to get out July 1st of last year, decided to do that. Um, and then kind of in the process, I had an exit interview and that was with a full bird colonel uh, within, within group. And I, I, I think one of my mottos is if I don't say something who, who will. Uh, so just go in to the debrief, probably different than a lot of the ones that he's used to. And he asked, Hey, John, like, why are you choosing to get out? I know you had some weird circumstances. So I kind of go through everything that just happened to me that I've explained to you and asked him, well, what would you do if you were in my situation then? He's like, okay, fair. And then I asked him, do you think that the, the COVID shot mandate was legal? And he said, yes. Okay. And then I asked him, do you realize that it required an FDA approved shot to be legal? And he said, he's not a doctor. And I responded, well, I mean, we brought it up to your doctors and they were a bunch of yes men and useless. So I don't know, are you doing anything to look into service members who've been injured? And are you familiar with what Nuremberg code was? And at that point really wasn't getting anywhere in the conversation. And I was told that I was going to a dark place and I tried to respond that, well, no, I'm at peace with my decisions. I was also told that too much ideology is bad. And I was asked if I had heard of the Crusades. So, I, Captain Frankman, I, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm just absolutely shocked at the incredible statements that you're just rattling off so rapidly that this full bird colonel, yes, yeah. military officer made, and Green yeah. Green Beret, this, this is absolutely shocking to say that he can't tell whether something is FDA approved because he's not a doctor is absolutely ludicrous. Any patient, anybody in the country that's ever gotten a drug from a pharmacist knows right. the difference between something experimental and something FDA approved and commercially available, number right. one. And number two, to say that this was a lawful order when you pointed out that the order required an FDA-approved product that, number one, didn't exist, number two, never existed, and number three, Comirnaty was only ever conditionally approved by the FDA based on five more years of safety study on the myocarditis risk, and it was never fully approved. 
and its BLA license was only in place for 24 hours, long enough for Secretary Austin to issue the day after the FDA press conference on August 23rd, 2021. The day after that was when Austin issued the mandate for all military service members to get an FDA approved. It existed 24 hours under BLA license as a legally distinct Mm -hmm. product from the Pfizer shots and Moderna and J&J. They were all legally distinct. Pfizer was given conditional, sorry, continued EUA approval on August 23rd, 2021. It was never fully approved. Comirnaty had conditional approval and its license for, for manufacturer was 24 hours and then expired. So for military leaders that are in charge of our national security to say that they didn't know that is inexcusable and beyond stupid. Right. And I mean, to be fair, it might not have been like any exit interview he's ever had. I'm sure it's a lot of captains who are just kind of salty about something else and ready to go get an MBA or use their um, special forces training or, or resume to do something different. Um, so it was more so just kind of to get him thinking. And it's it's upsetting because a lot of the folks just didn't have the answers ever. And I think that the responsibility obviously always falls on the commander to be responsible for their service members. The higher the rank you have, the more responsibility you have, uh, but especially on the medical corps and on the JAG corps, uh, who were very, very complicit in this in I think that Jags think too much that they work for their commanders. So they're going to do what the commander wants or say what they want to hear. And then the medical corps, similar kind of ranking thing. And um, just a lot of, a lot of things we need to do to fix the system. Well, you're so correct on that. Other comments that you want to be sure our listeners understand about what is really happening to our military service members and our military readiness. We are very focused on things that don't necessarily matter. Um, it's really kind of degrading to drive into base and see like June is pride month or a sign within seventh group, like all over the place. And I would called it communist propaganda before, but equal opportunity is our readiness. Diversity is our strength. It's like, tell me how. And I remember going to a special operations forces, junior officer course, and hearing from the SOCOM commander, the deputy SOCOM commanders, we're talking like four-star, three-star, talking about women coming in and diversity and all this stuff. And at that point, I wasn't just a, hey, I'm just going to get out. Uh, so I'm not just going to answer, ask any question. But my question was, they're pushing diversity so hard. I wanted to ask, hey, I am a detachment commander of a military freefall team. Our Specialties are unconventional warfare and foreign internal defense with the emphasis on military freefall and recon. In what way, shape, or form are we not ready because we don't have women on our team or because we don't perfectly represent the demographics of the United States of America? So there's, yeah. But the, the big things to kind of um, point out is that the, the public needs to be aware that there is this kind of pressure being put on service members, that the pressure started long before uh, the COVID mandate actually came out. It became available when the shop mandate was there, that a lot of service members are choosing to leave. So this is a huge readiness issue in the ways that I had listed out before. There are people who are injured. There are people who are kicked out. 
There are people, everyone's morally injured from this. You have people who are choosing to retire early. There are people who are choosing to medically retire early because a lot of special operations guys will continue on, but there's a huge degradation to the morality and focus on things that don't matter. So this killed readiness. It was not legal. And I think that we need more congressmen, senators to understand that this was not legal and to push back. And I'm extremely grateful for the ones that have done that. I'm extremely grateful for Senator Ron Johnson for helping with that. I'm extremely grateful for Representative Matt Gates for allowing me to meet with his military liaison on multiple times and trying to work with us as well. But if we can get more House Armed Service Committee Republicans to point out the fact that this isn't legal, to point out the fact that medically it's just dangerous. And we've seen the VAERS reporting, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, which is extremely undercounted. And we've seen that the DMED data, the military database data, has not been clearly disseminated as well. And we just need to know. So you have that the readiness is hurt. It's not legal. It's not medically safe. It's not ethical. And I've gotten into that piece as well. It does target a specific type of service member, often a more conservative, maybe more critically thinking member. So it is kind of a reconditioning of the military and that the legislation that went through December of 22 was not enough. All that did was rescind that mandate. It did not do anything to present, prevent any future mandate being put in place. It didn't do anything to bring back service members and shame on those senators who voted to not bring them back, including some Republicans such as Mitt Romney. So I don't know who needs Democrats when we have Republicans like him. And it's not doing anything to make any kind of restitution to individuals such as myself who chose to leave, even though we made it through the mandate. And I actually tried to call West Point. I tried to call Human Resource Command. I was not able to retain the opportunity. And there's a, such a window. So in the way that, that Lloyd Austin rescinded the mandate was in such a sorry manner in just saying, hey, hires said that we need to get rid of this order so we're just going to go in ahead and take it away. We've done great things to save lives. Everything I've done is great. I mean, can you imagine if I were a team leader and my company commander told me to do something? I give such a sorry excuse of like, this is what hire wants me to do. I think it's BS. We've been doing great stuff. No, it's not. You work for Congress. Congress told you to do something. You need to do it without this kind of attitude. So I know I'm getting fired up right now, but we really need to raise this awareness. We need Congress to step in. What we would like to have is a number of us who are willing to testify uh, in front of Congress to bring up the illegality, the immorality, the medically unsafeness, the readiness issue in order to make amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act. So that is what we're pushing for right now. We're pushing also to have some kind of accountability, potentially uh, kicking Lloyd Austin out based on just, I mean, if not for that, why not for Afghanistan and not for that? Why not for the Chinese spy balloon and everything else going on? Right. I mean, it's just insanity. And for other resources, there's a number of other individuals that I could recommend. Mark Bashaz, excellent. And I know you've talked to him. I recommend everyone read this book. I just happen to have this here, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines by Rob Green. Have a couple signed copies. Very grateful for that. And he's a great man. So yes, they are all on our military advisory council. We've worked with all of them. They're our legal defense grant recipients. We've been in the fight with them since the fall of 2021. And Truth for Health Foundation, for those who have forgotten, we led the way with the Stop the Shot campaign on August the 4th, 2021, before the military mandate. And by the time the military mandate was in place, 
August 24th, 2021, we had already done three international press conferences calling for stop the shot. It is dangerous. It is deceptive. It is not FDA approved and it is risking death and destruction. And it's not needed, immoral, illegal, and not medically needed. Exactly what you've just said. And we had experts testifying to that in all of these press conferences. Our mm-hmm. military service members have been decimated by this. It has been a purge of critical thinkers. It's been a purge of Christians, conservatives, and critical thinkers, all of which our military needs. And America, let me tell you in unequivocally, when you have a military that has been purged of critical thinkers, Christians and conservatives who honor a moral code and what is ethic, ethical and right and follow the rule of law and rule of, rules of engagement, you are headed down the road towards a military similar to the communist Chinese, Venezuela, North Korea, Iran, any other military that is made up of yes men and those with no conscience and no moral code. We have never been that. And it is a very chilling thought to see where we're headed with the changes in our military. You're exactly right. It has nothing to do with your ability to be ready for free fall combat zone deployment about the diversity of the team. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the the argument and the the place that we need to be with regards to just on a human level in pushing for that, but just spiritually to encourage everyone to continue to pray, to continue to grow in their own spiritual lives. And I'm a, I'm a Catholic Christian, love Jesus Christ, to encourage people to continue to that further that relationship that they have. And in so doing and having that kind of deep, intimate prayer life in conversation with Christ, from that many great works and many great fruits are going to come. Um, but I think that in, in my op-ed, I pointed out that the answer that we need to do is we need to do the right thing no matter what and think critically. Well, that's very obvious, right? So there needs to be some kind of a moral check and moral compass rightness that we need to be focusing on and improving. So continue to work in that spiritual life, continue to uh, improve that faith life you have with uh, with God. Absolutely. And I know Major Gary and I both feel very strongly about that. And that's been the mission of Truth for Health Foundation as well. We are a faith-based mm-hmm. organization serving our God and our country and the rule of law. And God's gifts of life and freedom are what we defend. Major Gary, your closing comments. Well, John, yeah, one thing. You were certainly uh, the Christ-like figure to your subordinates because under you, they were able to stay unvaccinated as long as they could until you were moved out or pushed aside and no longer could help them. So you were definitely the Christ-like Uh, to the least of these so and we see this so prevalent now to so many of us that have been moved out or destroyed in this uh, vaccine mandate Mm -hmm. myself thank Thank you you so much and i just thank you both from the bottom of my heart for your faith your courage and for standing for what is right and continuing both of you to speak out and truth for health foundation and our entire team is here to help you do that 
anytime there are whistleblowers who want to come forward and speak out and reach the public, it is our duty to do that. It's our duty before God and before the rule of law to, to speak out against evil. Thank you both. And America, all of you listening, these are the kinds of men and women that we need in our military. You have a duty to speak out to your elected representatives and demand accountability, demand that Congress look into the abuses of our service members and the destruction of our military readiness and our national security. Join our crusade, sign up for our email alerts, and be part of the solution, not just complaining about problems. We'll be back again with another military report on the whistleblower reports. Listen every day to all of our new ones at www.whistleblowerreports.org. Thank you for joining us today. May God continue to bless America and may we Americans continue to do our part to defend him and the rule of law and life.